Hi, I'm Paulina. Hi, I'm Rizia. And we're sisters, friends, daughters, wives, and business owners. And we're just following our dreams, you know, working to be a better version of ourselves every day. All right. And we're also moms. Welcome to the Supermama Sisterhood. Hello. Welcome. What's up? What's good? What is going on, guys? Welcome to your favorite podcast, the Supermama Podcast. I love my Supermama so much. I do too. Just like, it's crazy, just like the journey that we continue to be on and how y'all are stuck with us. <laughs> for richer, for poor. For better, for, for worse. For better, for worse. In sickness, in sickness and in health. And in health. Tell God to us part. <laughs> You know, there was a super mama that came to the restaurant last week and she lives like in an island. Like, I don't even remember what island it is, but she lives in an island off the Caribbean. And she came on a road trip and she stopped at the restaurant in Galagetza. And I was here and she said hello. And I was so happy because she literally came to say hello and she stopped here with her family. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. I, I love it. I, I love it when they say hello. I love it when they came. Her husband came and that made me really happy. That made me Aww. really happy. Well, also the moms that say hi to us. Thank you for saying hi. We saw a couple at the Beyonce concert. Beyonce! You guys are amazing. I mean, the queen never disappoints. That was like Dude. one of the most incredible things ever. Dude, that was amazing. I mean, first of all, let's talk about our fits because <laughs> we actually decided to go to the concert very last minute. We had talked about it and talked about it and like things came up and things happened and we never really got around to it. But finally, I had it. I prayed so much. I was like, oh, please, I want to go to the concert. So finally, it was decided that we were going to go. It was just and then God decided. <laughs> God decided that we were going to go to the concert. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I mean, I didn't really want to see a lot of the concert because I was like, if I'm not going to go, mejor ni veo because I'm going to be like really upset. Same, same. So I was like, I don't even want to see anything. I don't want to do anything. But then we decided to go. And then Elizabeth, her sister, who is like really into, I guess, what do you call it? Current affairs. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, she knows everything. <laughs> she knows about everything. everything. Like, yeah. I also like stopped looking at. Me too. Because I was like, no, thank you. I don't want to get FOMO. Like I purposely didn't see any Taylor Swift stuff because I was like, but also it's like not in the space in my life where I could have enjoyed Taylor Swift, I feel. Or maybe she would I have mean, healed me. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not really into it. And I mean, I'm sorry if you I are. I love Taylor I'm, Swift. I mean, no, I don't know. I, 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 I've never gotten into it. I've never gotten into it. So to me, it was cool. Like, I'm like, damn, I'm amazed at what everything she's doing. But I wasn't like, hi, why didn't I go? You know, no, I was not. However, when it came to Beyonce, I was like, I really was like really praying that we were going. Anyway, so we went and Elizabeth sent us a message. And she was like, okay, guys, like if we're going to go, we need to do it right. And we need to go dressed up. And I was like, what do you mean? So then she started selling us all these images. I was like, oh man, I have nothing in my closet that will fit this. Like there's nothing in my, I started of ideas of like how I can make things work like that I had in my closet. Oh, same, same. But I don't think there was nothing in the closet that could work for that concert. Like there was nothing there. No. And no, facts. nothing, there was nothing. I was like, I have zero stuff. Like I started bringing out my old necklaces and stuff. And I was like, that's pretty much all I have. 
But then she went in TikTok and she's, you know, she was doing her research. She was doing the work. She did do her work. She did do the work. And she said, we should go downtown to the alleys to shop. And I was like, I didn't understand when she said that. I was like, okay. But then we got there and I was like, oh, okay. This is a, this is a thing. We showed up at the Santi alleys in downtown right at the strike of 10 when they open and it was empty. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. We got to the stores and every, there was Beyonce music playing all, all over. Yeah. And there was mannequins. Everything was silver. Everything was silver. Everything was black. Everything was shiny. And I mean, I thought we were going to be there for an hour. We were there for like four hours <laughs> trying to find. Dude, it was freaking wild. Wild. And then we found the perfect outfits. I found the perfect shirt. I felt fabulous and amazing. And I had other stuff. I had I had bought a piece for my hair. I had bought, I had bought a piece for my nose. And then when we were getting ready in my house, I was like, nah, this is a little too much. Like I'm not gonna take it. And I took it, I took it off. And then when we got to the concert, I was like, I feel underdressed. <laughs> like, it oh was- my God. Tell me about it. I wasn't underdressed. All of you who've seen my pictures are probably like, bitch, you were not underdressed. But let me tell you something. Same. Like, I felt like I walked out of your house, like covering, like putting my hands around my body. I was like, oh my God. I don't remember last time I was like this, you know? Yeah. Like I was uncomfortable. I was, I, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I looking like this? I mean, I know if you see the pictures on Instagram, you're like, come on, Bracey. I know you didn't. Let me tell you the truth. We did, I was yeah. not. I was like, "Eh, you guys, (laughs) right? Like, no, my man. Yeah. Yeah. But here, world takes these photos. And then even in the Uber, I was like, "Eh, give me a blanket. (laughs) As soon as I stepped out of the Uber, I was like, I feel like I'm wearing too much clothes. For real. (laughs) You know, like. Like, I was like, why? I should have just worn a bra. I should just take off this shirt and just walk around with my with my diamond pasties on. For real, as soon as we as we got there, I was like, "Oh my it god!" It was a safe space. It was a definitely a safe space. I was like, "I need more bejewel everything, everything on me." I, I, just, need- I, I was like, "I need more of everything." Why didn't I wear my diamond hair? Why didn't I wear like why? Because we I- thought it was too much, but it it was not. It was not enough. Why it- didn't I wear a diamond bikini here? <laughs> For real. It was the most amazing concert ever. I mean, she is a beast. She's a goat. She is. I mean, that woman can dance, can sing, can perform her voice, her, Mm -hmm. her everything. Like she's just Jesus Christ. I can't believe it. She looks better than ever. Like every outfit that she came out with the moment where she sang with, where she danced with her daughter. I was like, (laughs) that was amazing. My kids were so excited. Sabina went shopping with us to Santi Ali and she was, I mean, Sabina's dream day was that day because we went shopping with her. Oh, she had the best. I love her. She is the best. (laughs) And then we came home and you know how she was getting ready and she was in the mirror and she was telling us and she is the best cheerleader. She was like, you look amazing, Tia You look great, Tia Tita. Oh my God. She was, she was like, mommy, you look incredible. Tia you look perfect. Tita, you look so great. And like, as we were getting ready, she was putting all the stuff on. I was like, this is, a, I, this is like the funnest thing ever. I wish I had 
Dude, I and watching you with your three dollars, I'm so like <laughs> envious of having three girls around you. It's so beautiful. They, yeah, she was the best. She was like, she did like I still have the rhinestones that she put on my glasses, and I'm not gonna take them off because I love it. Like she, she like bejeweled my uh, my glasses. She was putting it on my hair, on my face, and then so we decided that for movie night we are actually gonna watch the Beyonce concert. <laughs> Oh, yes. Because <laughs> they want, they really wanted to watch it. And so we were going to, we're like, okay, so movie night is the night that is Friday night where we spend just the girls because my husband is at the bar, at the Smorgas Bar. Come visit us at Smorgas Bar. Not, 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 not like, not, not at the bar. <laughs> not at the bar. He's working, running a bar. <laughs> so we decided like, that's our day, right? We order pizza, we like watch a movie or we order food and we watch a movie. And so we always struggle with like finding what to watch or what are we going to watch today? What are we going to do today? So then we decided that this weekend, like on the weekend, we are going to do the Beyonce concert. That's going to be our movie. <laughs> so it was fun. It was the best. It was so awesome. It was amazing. I, I mean, the graphics, the music. It was just incredible. How, how, how's great. music is back after Beyonce? <laughs> and I'm like, how's music back? It was great. And then, you know, I estaban mis comadres, las Cardis. I estaba mi compadre. Cardis, stop right now. Mi comadre, las Cardis. Estaba my, mi compadre, este, el beso. <laughs> besos, mi compadre, besos. El besos, yeah. El besos. Ahí no, vi. Jeffy. Jeffy, ¿no? Ah, sí. Jeffy y Laurita, ahí estaban. Sí, Jeffy y Laura. Uh -huh. Laura, ahí estaban ahí. Estaba uh, Liso. I mean, estaban todas las comadres ahí, you know? Ahí, sí. estaban to ahí estábamos todas las más importantes. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it out there in the world, you know? That's hilarious. And then we actually saw Super Mamas over there in the concert, too. Yeah. So it was so great. Like, if you were there, we were all there vibing together. We all sang Happy Birthday to Beyonce. And it was amazing. It was great. It was a highlight of our week. In the middle of all... The chaos. There's always something good. We always have to look for the goodness. <laughs> in, the in the middle of all chaos. In the middle of the chaos, there's always something good. And we have actually an amazing guest today that does exactly that. She brings kindness and light into a chaotic world that is the politics world. Did you see my segue? I love that transition, sexy transition. <laughs> Let me tell you who we have on this on this on the show today. Aljean is a seasoned foreign policy and security strategist. She is the founder and CEO of Catalyst Global Strategies, which is a public affair firm offering bespoke government relations, partnership development, commercial diplomacy, stakeholder engagement, and strategic communication services. Before she launched her company, she was a Biden-Harris administration appointee. She served as vice president of the Office of External Affairs and head of global gender equality initiatives she. at the U.S. International Development and Finance Corporation. She spent over two decades on Capitol Hill. She was the first African-American woman and first African diasporan to serve in a senior leadership role on SFRC. Yeah. And if, you know, on her spare time, because, you know, hello, <laughs> a busy woman like that has a lot of spare time, she hosts... The Minority Leaders Podcast, where she highlights women of color in policymaking and politics. And she is also on the board of directors of Leadership Council for Women in National Security and Global Health Council. So if y'all are interested in foreign affairs and into politics, this is the podcast for you. And if you're not, it's still for you because it's you still need for to you. understand about this world. Mm -hmm. I love it. Without I love it. Without further the ado, let's get on with the show. And without further ado, here is Algene Sajuri. 
Hello. Welcome to the show, Aljean. How are you? I'm very well. It's such an honor to be here with you, lovely sisters. You are amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. No, you are amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited to to have you on the show. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about you and your story and all the amazing things that you have done and continue to do. We had this little brief conversation pre-recording, and I think that your story is so inspiring for many other females, many other females of color. So let's dive in. And before we get into the conversation, please let the super mamas who you are, where do you live, who do you live with? Who is Aljean? Okay. <laughs> well, Aljean Sadri is a mama, first of all and foremost, of a nine-year-old named Asa, who is like a little dictator. He runs my world. He <laughs> <laughs> I call him my little. Don't they all? I call him my little Edie. I mean, like he's so bossy. I said, well, I tell you, I'm like, <laughs> I'm actually proud of him for being bossy because he's not going to let anybody push him around. Okay. I think he got that from mama. But <laughs> for sure, he is just speaking his mind. Okay. okay? Yes. <laughs> he's on the autism spectrum. He has different special needs. He's pretty high performing, but he also has ADHD, which means he's bossy and super, super active. So he's got me running around half the time with my head cut off. I mean, he is just a lot of work. So first and foremost, I live with this guy. He's a tyrant, but I love him. And then my husband, Sid Sakota, who is a military vet. And then I am a former Biden administration appointee. I am spent before that 18 years on Capitol Hill in the House and the Senate side. And when I left the Senate, I had served as the first African-American, first immigrant, first Black person to be the policy director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is the committee that people get on when they want to run for president. So, <laughs> mm. so I've, I've met a lot of... Really, You've seen it all. Yeah, You've heard it all. Oh, I've seen it. I, I need to write a book about <laughs> all the things that I've seen. So You should totally... <laughs> Or you can work in like a politics show as a writing partner or something to be like, this is how it goes down. You need to add this drama. You need to add that drama. You know what? It was so funny. I really loved Veep. And Veep to me mm-hmm. is the most realistic of all of them. <laughs> that is, you are not the first person to tell me that. And it's low-key scary. It is. I'm like, I'd rather it be like House of Cards than Veep. But it sucks that it's actually like Veep. I'm like Loki scary. It is. It's so funny. That's scarier to me than House of Cards. Like House of Cards, I'm like, yeah, but they're fighting for something. Veep is that's scarier to me because it's just nonsense. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I haven't watched Veep. What? No, Paulina. Paulina. I haven't. You know what? I am Loki jealous because I wish I could see it from the first time. It is I'm gonna the start. best show ever. As a person that hasn't seen Veep, I want to know from Algin, what is that like? What is that world? It's crazy. It's nonstop. I mean, I started on the Hill in 2002. It's very different than it was then. Certainly lots more partisan and lots of friction often, but everything is for the cameras, right? The, a lot of stuff actually does get done behind the scenes, but nowadays there is no sense of decorum. There are no rules being followed, especially on the House side, <laughs> which, you know, again, I started on the House side, House of Representatives, 
But then, you know, I graduated to the Senate (laughs) in 2012, (laughs) and that's where things get done. Although I left in 2020 because I felt like it's just getting way too ugly and there's not a lot of bills that are getting through. I mean, I've worked on legislation that literally fed millions of people, brought electricity to millions of people across the developing world and Africa. And I felt like there was, it just became too hard to get anything done. And by the time it gets done, it's all watered down. So we're losing a lot of the middle ground in the Senate. Like a lot of the moderates who actually negotiate things and put aside party Yeah, everything's very extreme right now. Everything is extreme. And so it's kind of almost headed towards the House side of things where things are just chaotic and you can do anything. But that's kind of scary. It is very scary, actually. I do have hope because I still, I mean, I'm a lobbyist now, so I'm still in contact with lots of staff and lots of young staffers. I was actually on the Hill yesterday and this guy was like, oh, I listened to your podcast. I'm 23. I was like, oh my God. And he's like, "Ah, you know, you're such an inspiration. I'm like, well, honey, we need you to... You're an inspiration. You have a whole life ahead of you. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We need you to be that inspiration. And please talk to Republicans. Like, (laughs) y'all don't hate each other. They're still human. They they bleed like you bleed. They... (laughs) They eat like you eat. That's good. You know what I mean? Like... I love what you just said, because I feel like right now the country is very, very divided and very extreme, right? Either it's very like black and white. There is no like cream color. It's either white or it's black. Like it's just like very polar opposites. And I think we're not really talking and we have a lot of bias. It's like it's my experience and I don't care about the other person's experience. It's just about like what I'm experiencing and what I'm going through. So I definitely feel like there needs to be more people like you just saying like, we're all the same. Like we just have to respect each other's thought, but it's, it's so complicated. I I think like it's very complicated. So let's get into how did you get there? I mean, to me, when you're talking like I was at the Hill yesterday, I'm like, oh my God, really? Like that's so unattainable for someone, right? Like for anyone, for a young person, like, what do you mean you work in Capitol Hill? How does one get there? Right? I have three kids and you have a son, if their dream is to one day be at the Capitol and making, because you guys are actually, the work that you do affects a whole country. Like it's not my job. I I run a restaurant. I run this, like my community, but like you guys do work that affects not only this country, but many other countries. I mean, you mentioned Africa, you mentioned all these things, like it's very important work. So if someone like a young person is looking to get to where you, to be appointed by the president of the United States, how did, what was your journey like? Yeah, my journey was really unconventional. I mean, I'll say it like this. I was not supposed to be there. This world was not made for me, okay? It was completely by, I think, serendipitous luck, God, whatever you want to call it. God you know, some sure. people have different... God did. God did it all, <laughs> man, for me, for sure. God does it all. Listen, I'm an immigrant. I came to the States when I was three years old. I grew up in New York City in the project with crackball in the 80s and 90s, all of it. I went to college at Howard University, which is in D.C. I was going to do my master's in social work. I wanted to be a social worker. I wanted to help kids. That was when I was thinking about domestic work. And, you know, I thought I was going to do advocacy work eventually. I was pre-law, so I thought I was going to be like one of those people that defends kids in the foster system, et cetera, foster care system and things like that. 
So I had to do a policy internship. I could have done the policy internship at like one of the advocacy organizations that advocates on behalf of kids, et cetera. But one day I was a caseworker, right, at DC Department of Health and Human Services, processing food stamps and applications and TANF applications. So during my lunch break, I was sitting at my desk and the TV was on and everybody was watching the TV during lunch at this time because it was the DC sniper thing. If you're old enough, you probably are not old enough. You don't remember. Mm -hmm. But there was like a DC sniper (laughs) thing. like. But I do love true crime, so I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, homework. DC sniper. This guy terrorized the whole area for a long time. It was actually two, including a young kid. Anyway, so everybody was watching the news during lunch break. I'm watching the news and I see this congressman on the TV talking about how George Bush Jr. wanted to privatize Social Security. And he had this big initiative that he had sent up to Congress. And this guy, John Conyers, congressman, who at the time was the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, was like, we're not down for that. Because if you privatize Social Security, I mean, older people don't even know what stocks are, what bonds are. Like you're you're now childing them that they need to make a decision on how to invest their social security into stocks and bonds and financial instruments. There are a lot of people who don't understand that are not educated on that. How is that going to happen? And I was listening to him and he was so passionate. And I was like, ooh, maybe I could do my policy internship there. I literally at that moment called the office. I happened to get on the phone. The intern coordinator. We talked for 10 minutes and he was like, oh yeah, you sound interesting. Come up on Monday. It was like a Friday. Come up on Monday. Monday was actually, I call it Indigenous People's Day. Okay. Not going to... Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As you should, girl. Yep. So the the grounds were closed, but I went over there and he was still working. So I went and I talked to him for a few minutes and boom, I got hired to be the intern. I mean, when I say hired, it was free. (laughs) Like I didn't, I gave some slave labor. But Now interns get paid on the Hill. So my story is really serendipitous, but there are multiple ways to get on. The average person gets on because they know, gets there because they know somebody who knows somebody, their parents have money, they went to Yale, they went to Harvard, they went to this and they did that. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of organizations that sponsor internships and fellowships on Capitol Hill, including the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. They actually have wonderful internship and fellowship programs that bring young people from around the country who are of Black and Brown, Latinx, everything to the Hill for internships. And now these internships are paid. It's not like 20 years ago when I started when I was working for free. So after two months, I got hired because I just like worked really hard and I loved what I did. And yeah, it just went from there. But there are entry points in. I do find, because I've had fellows and interns over the years that work for me, I found that some of the ones that the Yale graduates and the et cetera, when I actually gave them the writing test, sometimes their writing test was not as great as the young Haitian woman from, you know. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, there is. Like, I was like, this is why I would, because they all, you know, those kids had a lot of help. Their parents can hire tutors. Mm-hmm. Their parents can hire people to prepare them. Their college essays, their, their parents can do all of these things to help them get in. And oftentimes they have multiple letters of recommendations from people who are like just upstanding mm-hmm. people in their communities or have connections to these members of Congress. But the people who come through these various programs, they had to work harder. I think as an immigrant, I had to work harder, okay? I, I yeah. came from nothing... 
I had to work hard. I, my mama did not afford a tutor. Okay. She didn't say, you know, <laughs> actually I was listening to something and I was talking to someone recently about this because we were talking about like that exact same thing. I heard someone say before it was a thing where like you actually had to work to get something or to get somewhere like you have to, you go, you go into a work like you, right. You go in for free. You're like, I'm going to work mm-hmm. my ass up because I want to make it and I want to continue to grow and I want to do more things and I want to do this. And then you get all the benefits and you get everything that you, that comes with what you've earned. But nowadays I think people, you know, they were saying people are like, okay, what do I, what am I getting? What is it that I'm getting? Mm-hmm. And then tell me what I have to do. Yeah. And I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, that's so true because we, my sister and I, same thing, immigrants, we came here Mm -hmm. and we had to work. Like I never had a summer where I didn't work. I didn't have a weekend. It was always work. Like my parents didn't have time or money to send us to all these like expensive things and or summer school was coming to work. Mm -hmm. So we had to earn everything and we learned to earn everything and we learned to work for our things. And I see now, like when I'm hiring people, when I'm looking for people, the first thing that they want to know is what do I get? And then they want to know what they want to do. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's so hard as a person that grew earning things and working for things. I am sometimes so baffled at the amount of, not even the amount, but like the lack of work ethic that it exists. And it's sad, it you know, and I'm like, it, it worrisome. It's worrisome because it's a whole generation of people. It's a whole generation of people. And it's very scary to me. I mean, honestly, also, I feel like in my career, in my job, anything involving politics or those types of jobs where you're doing a lot of writing and reading and analyzing information, condensing it, it's very reading and writing intensive. And one thing I found is, A, people don't like to read and write and don't know how to anymore. Oh, my God. Really? I found that people who have graduated from the Yales and the Harvards, if they're not English majors, I was an English major. They are not necessarily great writers. Why is that? I don't know what is happening right now in this country, in the education system. You can come out of college with a degree and a high GPA and not really know how to write. This is like a critical skill. And I mean, people don't know how to do it. It's, it's been dummied down. Anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to trash the younger people too much. We saw like, like three older women, like, oh, the youth nowadays is like <laughs> back in when, back when I grew up. Yeah, I know. But I mean, we <laughs> knew what hard work was. There are a lot of people that are working hard and they, you know, but it is a different work ethic. I mean, I 1000% agree with you. And I think the reason I kept going in my trajectory is I worked really hard. I hustle. Immigrants hustle. Even if we came here at three years old, we hustle. We just know. We have to. Parents hustled. We saw. That's all we saw. I hustled and I got promoted every job except for one. Like I was recruited for. They reached out to me, asked me because I got a reputation for being a hard worker. Good. for you, girl. Yeah. I know that you were part of the administration. Mm Mm-hmm. And like I said, we only see it through the TV, right? We only see what we get to see on the news and the headliners and all of that stuff. And we had the opportunity to have President Biden here at the restaurant. He came. Oh my gosh. Yes. And also Kamala Harrison came as well. Y'all are a big deal. Low-key flex right <laughs> okay, here. Lucky. Okay. Like, yeah. Low-key flex. Know, they were right. here. They were here. But 
I mean, I'm sure you know them better than we do. They just came and say hi. And we said hi. And that was they it. Just and they just came for a photo. They just came for a photo. You know, what is it really like? What, you know, because we see them and, and everybody criticizes everyone, right? So much. But the the work that goes behind running a country, I mean, I can barely sleep when I'm running a restaurant. I cannot even imagine what it, the pressures that people feel when they're running the most powerful country in the world. Like it's like you were saying, you got to humanize these people because like you only see what you see on the news, but you don't really know what happens behind the scenes. It is a nonstop job. Mm-hmm. Even as a political appointee and not, I'm, I didn't work in the White House. I can imagine what people go through working in the White House. I have friends that do basically don't talk to them like for four years. Like we're just <laughs> like, hi, bye. Like you don't see them. I have friends that are working in the White House and have children that are young. And I'm like, I think they just have really great spouses or partners to help them because it is tough. It's a constant, constant grind. Again, you're constantly analyzing information, taking in information, assessing policies. And I work in international affairs where there's just like the world is changing constantly. Something You can go to bed one one day and you're like, oh, I'm going to have a normal day at work tomorrow. And then you wake up and everything has gone down. Like Iran is like, you know, <laughs> attacking. You, there's a war in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, shit, my whole week. Rude. <laughs> So it's okay. We do. We do. We keep it real. We keep it real. We keep it real. Mm -hmm. We keep it real. This is what this uh, this is what we are about. Yes. This is what we're about. I mean, like the realness, you know, this it is it is what it is. Yes. But it's a constant grind. It's I mean, and you're getting different opinions from different people, because at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is subjective. There's certain laws that are in place. There's certain dynamics on how to get things done where you have to deal with the checks and balances of the Supreme Court and Congress. And, you know, we have to deal with constituencies that have differing views on certain things. So there's a lot of information to take in and then assess to make a decision. So the decision-making process for every single thing, like the people at the National Security Council, the people who work at the White House, the various agencies, they're all putting in their points of view, et cetera. And so can you imagine what a commander in chief or the vice president has to deal with, with like all these different positions? By the time it gets to them for decision making, they have to just like look at all the different information and then make decisions and then figure out where to go with different policies. For me, I feel like there are areas that they could be focusing on better. I worked at an international development finance institution, so it's called the United States International Development Finance Corporation, US DFC. And wow. Yeah. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, it, uh, used be, okay. it used to be the Overseas Private Investment Corporation, which is basically our development finance institution. So DFC finances development projects in the developing world. So, like anywhere from Guatemala to Mexico to Africa. We're investing in people, investing in infrastructure, investing in small businesses, for example, to build up those economies so they can be fair and adequate trading partners and and to boost those economies so that that we can engage with them on an economic scale as well. And I think economic... That's great. Yeah. I think economic diplomacy is where it's at because people don't want a handout. People don't want aid. Yeah, there are some countries where like there's a famine going on or there's certain conflicts going on, there's coups going on, et cetera. They will need like actual straight up aid. But in other countries, Kenya, for example, Guatemala, 
there's a lot going on, but the private sector is like, I'm trying to engage, I'm trying to sell my goods and services to the United States, to the global markets. And that's where you will see actual change. Once you uplift the middle class, once you give entrepreneurs an opportunity to actually succeed, then that's where you see economic growth. That's where it's a national security issue because you see less people turning towards illicit activity and more towards... When I think about growing up, I grew up around a lot of drug dealers. And a lot of these drug dealers were super, super smart businessmen. I was about to say, not drug dealers. You mean entrepreneurs. Entre- drug entrepreneurs. <laughs> that, the, that didn't have their entrepreneurship channeled in the right direction. Correct. And this is on domestic policy or international policy. If people have their entrepreneurship channeled in the right direction, it can change their lives, their communities, their societies. It can change the security of their communities. So those are the things that we did. I love that. Yeah. I love that point of view. I love that work. I think I love the way you think. I love the way that you communicate because we need more people like you in the Capitol Hill to change the country because that's, I mean, I agree to everything you said right now. It's like, yes, yes, yes. Like that. I think that is what we need to do. That's the messaging that we need to have out there because you're right. I was thinking we have a friend that her organization always says, when one grows, we all grow. And it's like the more that other countries grow and the more that we can have partners instead of enemies, I think the world would be a better place, 100%. Because when there is lack, then that's when like the communities suffer. That's when people have to turn into illicit ways of making a living because everybody needs to make a living right. and they have to find a way to do it. So I, lo- I love what you're doing. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you. I mean, I think it's important because, you know, when people, like you said, have an avenue to make great things and do great things, they will take that avenue to do great things. I think a lot of times America, though, approaches it as if we are the big guys. We're going to tell you what to invest in. Oh, this country, yeah, you should be doing more in agriculture. Well, what if they want to do more in tech? Let's, you know, support what the country wants to do, not see them as a real partner, not just we're going to throw you some money so you can invest in this. Algene for president. <laughs> Listen. At least. I mean, at least. At least. <laughs> well, my last question to you before, you know, want to be mindful of your time. I know you're busy running the country, you know. I just want to know what can we do as like normal citizens of this country? Like, what do you think we need to do more of? I know like, there's always like, oh, we need to change this. And what do we need to do? What do you see? What do people in the Capitol want from like people that to help this vision? You know, one thing I know from working on campaigns, on political campaigns, is that people always have an opinion about what matters. But then when you say, you know, some of the most angry people out there picketing with their signs and they're marching on the hill, then you talk to them, well, are you going to vote? No. And I'm not going to vote. My vote doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Like, so they know they have an opinion on something, but they don't think that it matters for them to vote. It's like, you're giving away your constitutional right that so many of our foremothers and fathers fought for to vote, and you're just going to complain? Stop. Stop it. <laughs> Stop playing, y'all. Pay attention to what's going on. Educate yourself. Don't listen to fake news. Get your news from credible sources and make decisions. And then vote. Mm. Exercise your right to vote. 
I just spoke on my podcast, The Minority Leaders, with a friend, Christina Hell, who she wrote a book called Why Not You? And it's about why young people should run for office. You can do it too. If you're upset about what's going on in the community, you can organize. You can put together a team of folks that are working to make a change. You can start an organization. You can do it yourself. And you can run for local office. Why not you? If you feel like you've nobody's representing you in your community, in government, in local government, state government, local municipality, why not go ahead and do that? Take on that school board role. Because if you are the only person that's in the room thinking about what needs your child has, well, then you know what? Maybe it's you that needs to stand up and speak on behalf of the children that look like you and yours. I agree with you. If you don't like something, do something about it. You know, because I think people, even when it comes to like, oh, you know, I'm going to pray and ask God to do this for me. Yeah, but God needs you to move. You can't just sit there and wait for him to do things for you. Like everything is like, if you want something, if you want something to change, if you want something to do, do something about it, move something, yeah. do anything, but do something about it. Don't stay still and things will happen. There are a lot of organizations in each community that are doing great things. Volunteer with those organizations. Learn what are the issues that are important. Know who your congressperson is. Know who your city council person is. Follow them. I think that one thing that we have to remember is that government is supposed to represent the people. And if we don't hold them accountable, who is going to do that? If we don't vote, who is going to vote? The people who don't look like you. A lot of old people love to vote. vote. Old people vote, okay? If you're a young person in the United States and you're concerned about X, Y, and Z issue, your issue is going to be represented by a voter that doesn't look and act like you, doesn't have your lived experience, doesn't know what issues matter to you. If you're going to sit there and complain, vote. Go out there and do something. Yes. Volunteer yes. in your community. Vote. I'm preaching. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Thank you for being here. This was very empowering. And I think a lot of moms are not only going to be empowered, but also inspired by you, what you're doing for your community at large. So we thank you so much for being here. Where can moms find you? Your podcast. Tell us about your podcast. Where can they listen to you? How can they follow you? Okay. So my podcast is called The Minority Leaders with Algene Sadri. You can go to at The Minority Leaders on Instagram or at the Minority Leaders on Facebook and find us. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places. Subscribe. We talk to women of color who are doing things, just that, changing their communities. They are leaders in their communities. They're change makers. They're women who have said, enough's enough. This is what I'm going to do. And we talk about their career journeys, how they got there, what they're working on, how they're carving out a space for us and showing and working to make change in their communities on behalf of people who look like us. Because often, I can't tell you how often, I'm the only person in the room that's representing people the token, that look you mean? <laughs> like us. Yes. Exactly. And it takes a lot of grit. It takes a lot of 
fortitude, internal fortitude to be amongst the, a table of, a policymaking table of white men, okay? And you're the only person in the room representing black and brown people and the needs and the concerns of black and brown people. And so we talk about that imposter syndrome. We talk about why it's important that we're there and why it's important to help other women who look like us get there too. Because it can't, we are not going to be successful if it's just us. We have to lift, reach up, down and bring other women along with us, other women of color. Yes. Thank you. That is what, that's what we're all about here as well. I thank you for that because it's in a different world, of course, where like the mothers and stuff, but this is exactly what we need to do. We need to empower each other. We need to inspire each other. We need to uplift each other and know that there are things that all of us can do to change everything that we want to change. Unfortunately, this world does not support empowered women. So the more empowered women that are out there, they're best for everyone involved. Absolutely. I know. It's so unfair. Yeah. Empowered women are called the B word, right? If you're you're a woman who is really strong and you, you sit at the table and you look at the person across from you and you're straight and direct with them, just like they're straight and direct with you. Because if you're a black and brown woman, and you're doing that, or, even, you know, white women too, and you're doing that, then you're called something else. You're not called, you know, if, if, if I was a, a, a white man doing that same thing, saying, I believe this and this has to happen, then he'd just be like, oh, he's a leader. Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. But if it's me, it's like, oh, who does she think she is? She's nagging. She's, nagging. she's, <laughs> she's bossy. Mm-hmm. She's aggressive. Mm-hmm. No, I believe in my people and I'm fighting for my people. How about that? Amen. Well, thank you so much, Algene, for being in the show. I want to be your friend. Oh, let's be friends, Pauline, Bicia. Yes. I'll be out there soon at some point. Please let us know. Come come by the restaurant, have a meal. Yes. Let's, let's chat. This world-famous restaurant, of course I have to. I'm going to eat a lot, too, not just sit and take a picture. We eat a lot, girl. There's big portions here, big portions. Don't worry about that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're such an inspiration. And we can't wait to connect with you again and see everything that you're doing. And thank you for your work and continue to change the world. Thank Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and for all the great work you're doing, Super Mama. And we are back. On the show, I love her. I love Algene. She's great. Algene for president. <laughs> so, Maricia, what is a pick or tip for this week? What's going on in your life? What do you want to share? <laughs> how can we? How can we have our, How can we improve our life? Oh my god! But what are you watching? What are you watching? Let's go there. Easy. What are you watching? You're not watching anything. Nothing. What are you listening to? All the podcasts. Oh my! I found like. <laughs> What am I listening to? Sermons from pastors. Great. Joyce Meyer that you Amazing. sent me. Just the Beyonce Renaissance album. Listen, my God, you guys, my life is just, I'm in a very specific moment in my life in this chapter that I'm in. So I don't remember last time I turned on the television. You know what? I may not even have a television for some time. Let the price go now. Don't worry. Yeah, I may not even have a bed very soon. <laughs> What am I listening to? Oh, our girlfriend Lulu 
sends me every morning a YouTube sermon from this guy. He's in Spanish, who's a Christian pastor. And his just passion for the word of Christ mm-hmm. and the way he speaks and the way he does his things, it's just both, I'm not going to say comical, because, but he does make me laugh because of his <laughs> passion and the way he talks. I'm not sure where he's from. He sounds, his accent is giving Central America vibes. But he lives not in Spain, sure. no? Is he in Spain? Not sure. Not sure who he is, what his life story is. (laughs) I just really enjoy this message. Let me find him on the YouTube because she sends them to me every morning. And he goes, Ay, Dios mío, Dios mío, Dios mío, Dios mío. No sé si alguien está agarrando algo esto. No sé si alguien está capturando este mensaje. No, déjame, mesero. No. Puede ser mucho para ustedes, hermano. Es mucho para ustedes. Dios mío. Dios mío, Dios mío, Dios mío. But like, I, but I listen to him and I receive the message and what he says is like fire. So, here we go. It's called Cien por Cien Cristianos is the YouTube, the YouTube show, the YouTube channel. I mean, he's fire. He's got a 640K subscribers. Like, <laughs> he has like oraciones de la mañana. Like, he's just so, he like pumps you up. And also like, he is on it. Like, he has content seven days a week. Live. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's his job, right? I, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and just I just love it. And now I just like, ah, Dios mío, Dios mío, Dios mío. And then Agustina was, Dios mami, Dios mío, Dios mío, Dios mío. <laughs> That's good. I mean, you need to fill your life with God vibes for real. I mean, if we're go- if we're sharing, I love God vibes. I, God vibes. I I love. I listen to one at least one of the Joyce Meyer enjoying everyday life. The one you gave me today was so good. I haven't finished it because I was like, I know it's only fourteen minutes. She's like. Don't waste your life with people who are just taking space in this world. I'm like, you know, reach. She is amazing. She keeps it real. She's she's like in and her if 80s. If a person isn't making you grow, get the fuck out. You know what I mean? <laughs> she is in her 80s. She doesn't care. She don't. She doesn't. She's just like, I'm gonna keep Can't it wait. real. And I love her because she's not like, oh, you know, pobrecita de ti. Like, mm. no, she's no. like, you better get your ass up and do something. I'm like, yes. I love her. I love Joyce yeah. Myers. I listen to that every morning. I listen to that. Beyonce, Peso Pluma, and Fuerza Regida. On, oh, and like my sons. I don't have a husband anymore. Um, <laughs> my son's uh, playlist. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Same. We're, we're in the same vibe. Peso Pluma, Beyonce. Same, same, same. Same, 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 same. So there it is, guys. If you need some uplifting in your life, go listen to that. If that's where you're at right now, <laughs> that's where we're at right now. That's where I am. That's where we, you know, we're in this together, <gasps> sister. I'm there with you. I'm there with uh, you. You are very much so. <laughs> I'm there with you. Don't worry. The season will pass. The season will pass. It'll be good times and we will be laughing mm-hmm. about this soon. All good times. All the time. All right. Well, this is it, ladies. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey sisters, thank you so much for listening. Hope all of you guys are subscribed to our newsletter. If you're not, make sure you hit that subscribe button on superromas.com. We will be sending out invites to upcoming events, promos, and super cool surprises your way. And of course, you can always keep up with us through the gram at underscore supermamas and on Twitter also at underscore supermamas and in the face at supermamas podcast. Oh, one more thing. We want to hear your Supermama moment of the week to share with all of you sisters. Call into our hotline, 
888-447-3707 and leave us a message or simply email us a voice note to hello at supermamas.com. Very soon, we could be featuring you on the show. Please remember to leave your name and Instagram handle for a chance to be featured. Much love and see you next week. Super Mamas! Super Mamas.